Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad. The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings and welcome to It Could Happen Here. I'm Garrison Davis. I am a researcher and writer on the podcast team. Today, we have a roundtable discussion uh, with a group of uh, researchers who look into extremism and political uh, political violence, uh, usually stemming from uh, far-right propagandists and people in that kind of whole sphere. So we have a, a discussion relating to climate change and all these other things that I was able to record with these uh, fine people. It's split up into two sections. So part one is coming out today. Part two is coming out tomorrow. Highly recommend you listen to both. Uh, maybe, maybe even uh, back-to-back at some point, because it does really give a, a nice rounded-out um, uh, view of what we were talking about. So without further ado, here is my discussion with, like, I don't know, well, not not a dozen, but a, 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 lot, a large amount of terrorism researchers, uh, as we are all... Uh, in the woods, as you will soon find out. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, the uh, the daily show. I am Garrison Davis, and I am recording in an undisclosed location in the woods. Um, we are we, uh, me and a few a few internet colleagues are all 
hiding from the world for a week to reset our poisoned brains. But I'm going to slightly re-poison us here for about an hour to have a discussion about climate change and uh, terrorism. Because we have a group of people here who are all well research the bad thing online uh a lot so i'm going to try to try to use to to take advantage of having this uh unique group of people all in one location to have this nice discussion for you guys but yeah specifically we want we want to talk about how we how each of us as an you know quote unquote expert in certain fields um see climate change impacting impacting uh extremism and terrorism in the next in the next few decades um, and yes, we are recording in the forest, so if you hear sounds like we're in the forest, that's because we are. Um, you, you guys already know me, or you probably do, but I'm gonna, we're going to go around a circle, probably starting on my left, um, introducing the people, and yeah, just give a brief, a brief, uh, brief bio, however detailed you want to get into. Okay. Uh, my name's Matt Taylor. I'm a journalist and researcher focusing on cults, um, conspiracy theories, and extremism, and today is my birthday. Happy birthday, Matt, in the in the past. Uh, my name's Theo. I am a journalist and researcher as well. I mostly focus on the American militia movement and paramilitary groups. I'm Toothpick. I'm with uh, Theo, Matt, Emmy, and Big Newhouse isn't here on Terrorism Bad. I, uh, th- th- that's, that's, a, that's a podcast, by the way. Self-plug. Um... I've, my research and reporting focuses on, mainly on conspiracy theories and where that overlaps uh, with political extremism and the focus on connections between uh, U.S. and Europe, uh, especially Germany. Uh, I'm Peter Smith. I'm a journalist with the Canadian Anti-Hate Network and the host of the Unusual Show podcast. I'm Lily, and I focus on extremism and counterterrorism. And data analysis. And I'm Emmy. I do digital propaganda and rhetoric. So that 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 is our little crew. Um, yeah, let's see what the uh, first thing we kind of want to talk about. I'm guessing is how we see cl- like small because like the, the podcast is more about like smaller local collapses. Like we we don't. There's not going to be one big collapse. We're going to see small things start to fall apart. And how we see, when small things fall apart, what we do we see filling in those gaps? Specifically, I think this will tie into the militia movement a lot in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, you guys can start sp- sprouting off your, your knowledge. Yeah, so one of the things that I've been thinking of and following, and I don't know uh, if this has made as much of an impact in U.S. media... Um, but in the last month, um, parts of Germany and the Netherlands experienced um, really bad flooding um, that, that literally wiped out some villages and some towns. Um, and one of the things that uh, we've seen in Germany is, you know, far-right groups. Um, there isn't really a militia movement because of the laws there, but, but far-right groups rushing in um, and collecting aid and going for photo ops. Uh, in those catastrophe areas. Um, and what that does make me think of, and maybe Theo can talk more about this, uh, is we've seen similar stuff in the U.S. with the militia movement marking themselves as you know, emergency preparedness um, or marking themselves in that way and positioning themselves where when you know, the government is unable to respond that these groups are able to come in 
um, and also using that for their messaging and for their rhetoric. Yeah, so, I mean, that is something that you see in the U.S. Uh, the biggest example, Garrison and I talked about this earlier, but uh, during the wildfires in Oregon last year, you saw checkpoints being established by militia groups, whether already formed militia groups or kind of impromptu armed bands. Uh, and you also see that as like a big marketing thing. I know a lot of the Virginia-based militias that I follow went out to Tennessee uh, two, one or two years ago when the tornadoes happened. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah, they did a bunch of kind of aid and photo ops. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, just not to dox myself, but I'm from Nashville, and then uh, beginning of 2020 in March, right before coronavirus. Someone just dropped a toy gun. Great job, guys. Yeah, so in the beginning uh, of March of last year, right before COVID hit Nashville, we had a huge tornado go through Nashville itself and wipe out um, like two different neighborhoods and then a rural town right outside of Nashville. Uh, but you saw a lot of, like, so the community comes together and this really nice display of mutual aid to do all the cleanup basically before any official crews could get there. But with that, you also saw like these far right groups coming in for photo ops and it just, it normalizes their presence in heavily impacted areas and it was not... Not ideal. Yeah, a lot of the American militia movement, especially the modern kind of post-2008 three-percenter strain of it, is predicated on this idea of a complete breakdown of order or a loss of civil order, however you conceive of that. And um, these like climate disasters that are going to hit areas are going to kind of provide a self-fulfilling prophecy for these people to step in and say, like, oh, no, you need some sort of armed force you need some sort of group of people to keep order and to keep law in whatever way they conceive of that. I do think it's interesting you guys talking about kind of like the photo op thing that they do. Because when the wildfires happened in Oregon, all of the, the actual like relief work was done by anti-fascists. Like we, you know, like people in Portland, we set up you know these these massive camps to help you know all these like you know much more conservative people who who, right. who had to evacuate their evacuate their homes, and they were all getting fed and all like their clothes and stuff were coming from anti-fascists, and the. All the right did was do the armed checkpoints thing. I find it interesting that, like in the South, where there's less anti-fascists, like you know, compared to the general, compared to like Portland, right? How some of those groups actually do do some of the relief effort, um, and that that's definitely not the case up here in the in, in the West Coast. Oh yeah, I mean, last year I remember a few county level militias that I follow in Virginia were like seriously doing relief work like they were gathering food they were taking out to places affected by flooding in north carolina by tornadoes in tennessee it's not i wouldn't go so far as to call it mutual aid because it lacks the kind of ideological framework for that but they are providing some sort of infrastructure i think mutual aid for their guys yeah yeah, yeah, with yeah. The, yeah with with less of like the theory side of mutual aid but like and i'm sure there's someone else who can speak more on this but like from my perspective, growing up in a super weird church, I see this inter- interacting. I see this like combining with local churches a lot as well. Um, I'm not sure there's anyone else here who could say something more intelligently than me about how like religion will combine with these like kind of militia efforts. Well, a lot of like eco eco extremists, like on the far right, on the very far fringe far right, can. Um start to, like, be very esoteric about their, you know, belief in climate change. 
And they start to sort of frame it as like a reason for the collapse, um, that we need collapse, or attacking infrastructure, like for the purpose of somehow saving the planet, even though it's really not going to get them anywhere. We have really need we have to do a lot of our own work on the planet. We can't just destroy everything and see if it works. Yeah, out. we can definitely bring up. Uh, Accelerationists yeah. and accelerationism as a as an over overarching thing that is you know not just it, it, it not to be like horseshoe theory about it but but accelerationism pops up in a whole whole lot of areas um, including areas of the left where it becomes very unuseful um, and it can lead to like a lot of wasted time and some destructive tendencies. I mean, I think that point kind of also provides an interesting through line between more mainstream militias and like the really esoteric brands of eco-fascism or ecologically based extremism is that like they're both very influenced by like colonial schools of thought uh like eco-fascism and all that is kind of predicated on this idea of like terra nullis like uh there is this perfect empty wild land that we can have manifest destiny exactly and like so much of the ideas of order and um like peacekeeping that you find within more mainstream militia movements come from this exact same type of thinking, where it's like a colonial order that you need to keep. Yeah, I know there's a lot of a lot of people on the left who are in, like, the kind of, um, like, you know, green, green like, eco-socialist or, like, green anarchist kind of strains who get very frustrated when people talk about eco-fascism, which I, I can understand, because no one really means the same thing when they talk about it. Sometimes they just mean any, like, ter- any, like, quote-unquote terrorism that has, like, uh, has like an environmental purpose. Some people, you know, when they think of ecofascism, they think of like overpopulation. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things they mean mean by it. But I know we we've all had talks about like what we personally view as like ecofascism because it's it, it's it's not just eco extremism. Uh, like eco extremism does not equal fascism. Like there is there's a whole bunch of eco extremists who are very anti fascist. Um, and there is some who kind of bridge bridge the gap. You know, like 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 ITS has some more fascist tendencies. But I would not accurately call them fascist based on the type of stuff they do, the type of writing they do. They do not have, they, they do not check all of the boxes. Um, and, but then, then we do have people who I would accurately describe as eco-fascists who have done, who've done, you know, mass shootings, who have a lot of eco, who have eco-fascist stuff, either in like the writing that they like or their own manifestos, they bring up enough points. It's like, yeah, you kind of fall into this broad category. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. 
And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Does someone here want to give their personal definition of ecofascism. This isn't this not necessarily exactly what we use for the pod, but I just I'm interested to hear there's a lot of people with various backgrounds, everyone has their own specialized knowledge. What kind of when people say that, what what do you kind of put into that category? People believe in like this organic law and like natural order and they believe that like there is a natural hierarchy ingrained in everything. And they think that generally like if we return to like some kind of primitive society or like you know uh they'll assume that like everything has uh its own structure and that there's going to be people who rise to the top people who just you know uh don't belong in that kind of society it's going to be really damaging for like the elderly for disabled people and they just sort of see it as like 
survival of the fittest. Um, and I think that's like a much more eco-fascist point of view rather than like a more green anarchist point of view where things would sort of even out um, rather than become a hierarchical. Yeah, yeah, I think hierarchy system. is an important yeah. part of that and how we, you know, there is like a lot of green anarchists who are focusing on like making their own medication for, for you know, people with diabetes and stuff. And that's kind of mm-hmm. stuff that is, like, really interesting to look at and stuff that we should absolutely pursue because yeah. we'll become less reliant on supply chains. And we don't really see eco-fascists doing that. Yeah, <laughs> we, do no. not, we do not see them focusing on making medication for people. Oh, no. <laughs> um, maybe I can kind of set some people up to say more stuff if I say this real quickly. But one of the things that I always... or that, that is a red flag for me is, is just, you know, bringing in this very traditional discussions of gender roles and and relating that to the environment yeah any of our rhetoric people. can you give an example i mean i don't I, I, we don't need to say names of specific like writers or people but there's definitely a way in which to like describe like the gender roles. sure yeah stop really- playing with the toy gun oh my god <laughs> um just just like establishing and it is kind of, it, it can be kind of like an older left thing too but establishing you know, ecological discussions within framework of traditional gender roles um, and kind of, like, what is expected of people based on their sex. Yeah, this is this is, this is is the dark side of cottagecore. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so, one way to put it. Yeah, is... I, I mean, you want to get in here? Oh, boy, yeah. Emmy, Emmy likes cottagecore. Oh, I love cottagecore. I, I, like, I like parts of cottagecore, just not when it intersects with a certain strain of politics. Oh, right, well... Like, queer cottagecore is extremely cute. Sure. Until. until yeah, until. well, until you're not queer. And l- 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 yeah. What? Sometimes they still are. Now, here's the thing. When we're, when we're dealing with, like, traditional gender role stuff, it's a really, like, slippery slope into more aggressive strains of thought. Yeah. So when we're when we're talking about you know the idea of of the class Stop playing with the toy gun. I will you throw are you out of this the ATF. I will throw you out of this podcast. I don't want that. We will turn <laughs> we will turn this podcast. Turn the podcast. It's Matt's birthday, you ass. Toothpick apologizes. Yeah. Okay. Have fun editing. <laughs> Continue editing. Yeah, rip to the editor. I wouldn't know what that's All like. All this stays in. So oh good. So when they're talking about the collapse and they want, you know, they think uh, the, the rod of modernity will be gone, society will be ended, they can, they can, you know, rebuild from the ground up smaller communities and uh, they can they can build the society they want, which is largely ethno-nationalist, yeah. it's not great. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea is that there will be this, this super traditional family structure, you're going to have your, your uh, this combined uh, strong warrior, also homesteading man, and your uh, cool trad wife. Yeah. Um, no. Who never ages above thirty no. in this society? No. Like, it just that's, that's a high range. That's that's a high doesn't range. age above twenty five. I'm, I'm being generous yeah. here, assuming that at least like some of these people have a little bit of like okay. pre planning, but they don't. They don't. Um, and <laughs> they they step on each other a lot, right? Because they have this this whole plan for this uh, this society free of industry, um, and they can't stop posting about it on the internet. Which is pretty funny. Which is really funny, right? Like, they're not, they're not good at it. Yeah, they're, like, way too addicted to posting to, like, actually commit to, like, the true off-the-grid trad life. At least, at least 10k was off-the-grid. We don't gotta hand it to you. You gotta hand it to We don't gotta hand it 
hand it to him. We don't gotta hand it to him. You gotta hand it to him. You under no circumstances gotta hand it to him. Pod is divided on how much we gotta hand it to Ted K. The official stance of terrorism bad is that terrorism is bad. Why don't we just bring them on? It is kind of a concern when they do end up, when they stop posting. I mean, yeah. It's a concern when they're posting, but it's kind of more concerning. You you would rather them just keep posting sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's the same as, like, looking at a kid that wants to be a firefighter or something. Like, they're just talking. They're not going to do it. But you see some of them doing it. And when they're doing the thing, the white style influencer version of fascism. Yeah. Do you think that it's going to affect kind of like laws about living off grid and laws about like yes. for for normal people who just well, want to get the fuck out? Like. I actually just read something about this. There is some guy who'd been living off grid in Pennsylvania for like thirty years, and I don't remember the details of this. And we don't have internet out here. Old guy. Yeah, it was yeah, an old guy. Like burn his house down. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's yeah. in jail now. Uh, he's probably going to be in jail for the rest of his life, and I think. Part of whether it comes from the left or the right, as people kind of start to try to build resiliency within communities for disasters that are coming and start to seek ways of living that do not rely on supply chains and do not rely on the state, the state will strike back against that as a consolidation of power. Because the more that people move away from it, whether on the left or right, the less power the state has. I mean, and utilizing counterterrorism is an excuse to do so. Yeah, because they're giving them reasons. And, yeah. and it's not it's not going to get enforced equally. Mm, I'm yeah. sure the oh, government's yeah. going to going to focus on certain people doing this and be slightly more okay with other people doing it. It will. Um, well, yeah. What's so? I, I would like to talk about Canada a little bit because specifically, climate change affecting Canada is going to be very is going to be slightly different in most of it compared to the states because. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been having my, my, my waist deep in climate science books for most of 2021, um, and Canada's gonna probably see economic boosts, um, and they're probably the state's probably just gonna get actually, get actually stronger because of how same thing with Russia, uh, both Canada and Russia are gonna get more economically powerful under climate change because of how much more crops are gonna get moved up, how. Give me your thoughts on Canada, because Canada's my backup plan. As soon as stuff gets too spicy in the States, I'm, t- I'm taking my Canadian passport and hiding in the woods. Um, how, how, what's your thoughts on that? Well, it's, it's interesting to hear you guys talk about American militia culture, because we, we definitely, in our rhetoric and propaganda that we see in Canada, it gets borrowed a lot, the talking points from the States, like the, the concepts. Uh, but what we don't have are these strong, organized militia groups. We had three percenters for a while. Um, and who still exist, but they were they were big about being off grid. Like they were the ones who weren't posting for a long time. Um, and it seems like as much as all these people are still around, they've largely deflated down. Because um, well, Canada's made some some efforts to call them terrorists, right? Right. Very recently, yeah. we designated them as a terrorist organization. Yeah. Um, which doesn't carry a, a criminal charge, but if you if you do something involved with them, you send them money. Like there is. There are consequences yeah, yeah, yeah. of that, legal enhancements. Okay. Um, but our, our kind of militia culture focuses on the illegitimacy of the state that Canada is founded. It's very kind of soft-sit uh, type rhetoric, but that Canada's establishment, its, its rules, and especially with all the public health measures, it's this growing, uh, this growing kind of tide of thought in both the prairies and largely out west. Yeah.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and the last star on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. 
I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I grew up in Saskatchewan. Um, uh, most of my family is in Alberta. I know when, when I look at when I because I, I keep a soft eye on some Canadian hate groups just because I'm Canadian. Most of them pop up around Alberta. Um, where do you see this stuff kind of like happening? Like, do you see any of this on the East Coast? If so, is it smaller or is this mostly on like a West Coast Canada thing? Well, that like that conspiratorial thought we've, we've seen kind of across the country. Like on the East Coast, you know, just recently we had people setting up their own version of checkpoints. Um, as like a protest against the uh, the public health measures. Okay. Yeah. And like the whole eastern part of Canada is in its own bubble. Yes. Right now. Um, but yeah, you had this like conspiracy based movement forming these actual checkpoints. And then the main part of it though is probably going to be out west. Okay. Like, that is where these ideas are the most popular or yeah, the most popular. That, that makes sense. Where mainstream politicians are moving towards you know, amplify these type of talking points. Yeah, um, is, is, do you see that, like, is that, is that, is that a mostly Alberta thing? <laughs> it's a mostly, like, prairies, Alberta, prairies, like, okay. the farmland. The interesting part is, though, when you talk about groups, is, like, in Canada, groups are an urban phenomenon, for the most part. Okay. Huh. Most of our organization takes place around the city centers. And th- that is very different from the states. With the states, it's, it's usually the, usually the opposite. You, in some, there's there's always exceptions of where people live, but generally we see it as more as more of a rural thing where the mm. groups organize, whereas cities are more like liberal, and that's where like the anti-fascist groups are based. Um, but it's kind of these like these little ideological pockets that exist all over, and certainly that sentiment is probably shared. But the I, the need to mobilize seems to mostly focus on the urban centers, and then we'd never have our groups like, they're, providing they're, any kind of aid to yeah. people. That's just, a, or even checkpoints. Like that's beyond these like very recent protest movements. I know, I mean, there has been you know more forest fires around BC, um, around you know we, uh, Western Alberta. Um, how do you see the government's response to these types of things right now? I know Canada's in a in a, in a particular situation with um, the Liberals having minority control. Um, and you know the, the, the Canadian parliamentary system is probably confusing to a lot of Americans if they don't understand it already. Um, but yeah, how how what do you what do you see on on that front? Because I know you know Justin both both Trudeau and Biden talk the talk around like pipelines and stuff, but then do the complete opposite. Um, how do you kind of see this kind of stuff working right now for for like on the on the climate side of things? Well, yeah, our our reaction to the firefighters or sorry, our reaction to the the wildfires. Um, I mean, the government response is always looked down on, like it's always looked at poorly. Um, but none of these people are taking this as an opportunity to kind of change minds, okay. you know, do PR, um, there's much less reaction to it. Most, like, the West also, there's this incredible feeling of alienation because of yeah, the way that absolutely. our government is set up. Yeah. They have substantially less, or they have substantially less voting power. Yeah, the same way in the states, how, you know, there's like, there's like southern states or states in the Midwest who feel like they don't really have any power politically. Same thing for almost the entire, East, entire West Coast of Canada, everything from like Manitoba to Alberta and parts of B.C., you know, everyone is very frustrated at 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 at, at the at, at the federales um, and how they really don't have control for what's happening. Like, yeah, people on the east coast are controlling, 
for what what our what our pipelines or what our mines are doing, and that does not fair to our workers. Because yeah, it, it is it does suck when you know a, a, a mine closes and then everyone in a small town is out of business. Like mm. the part the part where I grew up in Canada, all my family around them, you know, used to be in you know bustling small towns that are basically all all now ghost towns because stuff closed. People had to move to either like Calgary, Edmonton, Regina. Don't laugh. Um, <laughs> So you know all all these specific things. You know we see pockets of this. We, we, we see pockets. <laughs> we see pockets of this in like the Midwest and the states, definitely. Uh, I love it also as like like manifest destiny shit because like there's a lot. Of they that are Canada, pe- yeah. a lot of it started with people kind of moving outward to try and gain more land and make their borders um, larger and like live further out to like try and. Uh, and obtain more territory. Um, and with the, like, Canadian big surge in, like, indigenous rights and the big focus and shift to, like, sort of give them land back or something? I'm not exactly clear on what the Canadian stances are on that. What? Oh, just, like, I mean, we have a big movement mm-hmm. from indigenous populations to... They seem very, like, dichotomous, like... Well, I, there's so many different bands and mm-hmm. tribes and different types of nations. Um, like, we have unceded territory, and the dynamics with which the government is supposed to deal with and has agreed to deal with and actually does deal with them is all vastly different. Um, but yeah, that, that idea of this focus on these particular issues, like indigenous issues, um, even our attempts to, you know, have a greener economy, you know, for a place that for a long time and still is an extraction economy, Yes. Um, <laughs> How does yeah. that like affect the the? It's, a, it's an oil company with healthcare. Yeah. More like extremist far right groups who want to move out that way um, for the purpose of organizing, and you also have the indigenous focus within the liberal government. So, like, how do those two groups do you think like interact? Uh, like the general conception is that the push for indigenous rights, is, especially on the, the farther right, is is for the disenfranchisement of white Europeans. Like, mm-hmm. it is... Um, and then, yeah, you do have this Western exodus where we have very popular figures who are moving further west because there are these stronger ideas of sovereignty. Um, I forget what exactly it was polling, but when the Western exit or Wexit movement started, yeah. you know, there was a significant amount of popular, yeah. or at least, like, not strong support, but like existing support. There was there was there was a there was a large amount of support. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what happens though. Talking about collapse, like you know, in these small towns, in like cloistered mm-hmm. communities, mm-hmm. Um, you know, they already feel cut off from the government and not represented. And then yeah. if you have a breakdown of infrastructure, you know, that'll create. Like, why do we even have them in the first place if they're not helping us? Exactly. Which, is, we, which, which is true, which is like a, a real thing to think about, but their solutions are wildly different than the actual solutions to help people. Right. And we've already yeah. seen how this plays out in the past as well, with, um, you know, places where uh, the infrastructure starts to break down and then people who have weapons kind of become the authority just based on the fact that they have more power. Yeah, I, yeah so... One of the things that I follow is a lot of kind of like the more, let's characterize it as, as boomer-esque conspiracy theories, um, especially with anti-vax, anti-public health measures type thing. Um, and one of the things that, that, that really is noticeable to me is how much more sovereign citizen stuff 
is creeping up into those areas. Um, and especially, you know, there, there are two really big examples of, you know, if there's an anti-vax protest in your city, it's probably one of these two networks that both come from Europe um, that I'm not going to name right now. Um, and those two networks also, you know, love to organize over the messaging app Telegram. Um, and Telegram is... Tell me if I'm stepping in at Emmy. Telegram is where, you know, so much of this ideology, this far-right ideology, is able to cross-mix and co-mingle. Yeah. Um, you know, I... We, we talk about Telegram enough in the pod. Though. Okay, I cool, but people are familiar. Yeah. You haven't stepped in it yet. Keep going. Uh, yeah. Like but, adjacent, adjacent to stepping, you know, but it's fine. Yeah, so, so I mean, my, my, my biggest framework, and I talk about this a lot, is, is Telegram as kind of this technological embodiment of the cultic milieu, um, because there is so, like, basically no enforcement, close to no enforcement on Telegram. And so, you know, these, these more malicious actors know that, and they know that they can find an audience who is interested in, you know, opposing the mainstream conspiratorial thought in these kind of, like, boomer tel- boomers on Telegram and conspiracy groups. And there are, you know, malicious actors planning to go in and win these people over. And, you know... A lot of these malicious actors are younger people who don't have those resources, but they know that they can win over these people who do have resources, who own land, who have savings, mm-hmm. to kind of, like, fund that movement. If it, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I do think that the cultic milieu is, like, a really important heuristic for these kind of collapse scenarios, because the question of what happens when kind of infrastructure and any sort of political guidance falls away is governed a lot by that. And, like, this idea that there's... There are these ideas floating around in our society, and once people have nothing else to turn to, these malicious actors will bring this stuff in. And, uh, yeah, to put it simply, then we're pretty fucked. Yeah, Telegram also has recently started to ha- to crack down on people, and um, because of that, you have this really interesting dichotomy of people who are saying, like, this means, like, get ready, get prepared, go off-grid, get guns. Yeah. And you also have, yeah. on the other end, people who are saying, you know, create alt-tech platforms and, like, create um, more, like, self-encryption and, like, I don't, I don't I'm trying not to step in yeah, it right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, um, no, I'm, like, I'm with you. But to be able to, uh, to speak yeah. more, peer, like, peer-to-peer um, resources. And that wraps up part one of the Terrorism Roundtable discussion. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us at Happen Here Pod and Cool Zone Media on all of the socials. Uh, you can find me at Hungry Bowtie. Um, and you can follow uh, a decent amount of the researchers on, on their podcast, at Terrorism Bad, the podcast. I think, I think it's just at Terrorism Bad. Anyway, thanks for listening to part one. Part two drops tomorrow. Stay tuned. could happen here is a production of cool zone media for more podcasts from cool zone media visit our website coolzonemedia.com or check us out on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts you can find sources for it could happen here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources thanks for listening bean dad the dress 30 to 50 feral hogs if you knew what any of those were you spend too much time online and hey i do too 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? 
How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.